0: you're listening to leveling up where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business it's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host eric sue
1: all right everybody today we have aaron Hirschhorn, who is the founder and ceo of gallant And they are a new and unique regenerative medicine business focusing on helping pets have better, high-quality lives. And so on your site, it says stem cell banking and therapeutics for pets. So I have no idea what that means. I'm going to need it in practical terms, Aaron. But first and foremost, welcome to the show. How's it going?
0: Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Everything's going as well as it could be in in this world. The company is called Gallant. Uh, My bad. There was the Mitsubishi Gallant, which came out in the 90s, that that sometimes sneaks in there. Is that only one L? uh, Yeah, so we do... Yeah, I think that's one L, yeah. We do stem cell therapy for pets. And so I'll back up. I feel like I need to start just by explaining a little bit about what stem cells are. That's okay. Everybody is born with stem cells and stem cells are the way we heal. If you get a cut on your arm, a burn, a scratch, whatever it is, you've got those stem cells that go to that area and they regenerate into new tissue. Problem is as we get older, we lose our stem cells. By the time we're 70, we've lost over 99% of our stem cells the ones that we have left aren't working that well anymore. That's why it takes longer to heal when we get older. And this is basically directly tied to the aging process. So part of the reason that we get old and have disease is because we're running out of these stem cells. So I got into this when stem cells actually cured an injury of mine, and I'll come back and talk about it. But what people do today is they store their kids' young stem cells. There's, I don't know if you have children, but you've got the umbilical cord blood banking So at birth, people take their kids' stem cells and they throw it on ice. And the idea is, hey, in 30, 40, 50 years, they might be useful for something. That doesn't exist in pets. And so we've created that market. Uh, What we've come up with is a way to do the equivalent. So when you have a young dog or cat, when they're getting spayed or neutered, we are able to get stem cells from the reproductive tissue, basically the testicles, the uterus. We get the stem cells from that stuff that the vet was going to throw into the trash. And then those stem cells are available as medicine, not like humans, hey, in 70 years, it might be worth something, because pets don't live that long. We actually have treatments and we're developing treatments today. So if your pet has an orthopedic injury, develops arthritis, has allergies, kidney disorders, we've now got your pet's young, healthy stem cells on ice ready to treat, so that's the model.
1: If you're to think of a practical use case, maybe a case study per se, I want to work with Gallant. In what scenario would I actually go to you guys? And what does a practical use case look like?
0: Yeah, so you're a new pet owner. And in fact, dog ownership has gone through the roof during the pandemic. Like shelters are emptying out. Normally, you've got over 1 million spays and neuters every month in this country. It's going to be higher because of this pandemic. So when you're getting your dog spayed and neutered, you're scheduling that with the vet. At the same time, you go onto our website and you purchase our stem cell banking plan and then we take care of the rest. So we have a kit, like a temperature controlled tissue collection kit, we send that to the vet. The vet puts the testicles or ovaries or uterus in there, sends it back to our lab in San Diego and we isolate and cryopreserve those stem cells.
1: So if they get a practical use case might be if they get injured, you know, the stem cells could come into play.
0: Yes, yeah, so You save them in the beginning and then when do you need it? That's the question. Well, what's remarkable is stem cells underlie healing across all diseases and injuries. It's almost like, it's strange to think about it, but the use cases span almost all injuries and illnesses. Now, when you actually look at the data, when you look at where stem cells have been shown to be very effective in pets, osteoarthritis is a huge one. Right now, if you're an old dog, there's like an 80, 90% chance you have osteoarthritis and the only treatment is painkillers, anti-inflammatories, all this stuff just makes the disease worse. Stem cells actually address the underlying inflammation and degeneration, so uh, arthritis is a big one, kidney disorder in cats is a big one, broken bones, torn tendons, ligaments, so I got a stem cell treatment on my back. When I was 29, I had really bad back injury, had two surgeries, for the next 10 years I was taking cortisone shots, like twice a year I had They burned my nerve, tried everything. I got an injection of my own stem cells into the two injured discs. And that's how I got into this business because it changed my life. And all of a sudden I'm healthy. We were talking before we started, I've been kite surfing like multiple times now. I couldn't do that for 10, 15 years. I couldn't do anything. That's what you
1: hear about all these athletes getting stem cell treatments. And now I I actually understand, oh, okay, it makes sense now. Um, Yeah,
0: all the athletes are doing it, like super cutting edge. And insurance isn't covering it yet. The FDA makes it hard. There's a lot of challenges, especially on the human side, that by working with animals, we avoid. We get much quicker time to market. We have much more flexibility to manipulate the cells. And we have, in an ironic way, a shorter lifespan to actually test stuff. And that's interesting too. Got it.
1: That's awesome. So how do you guys, and I I do want to talk about dog in a second too, and how it relates to all this as well, because you're the co-founder of that one. How does the business work? How do you guys make money?
0: Divisions or business lines, it doesn't mean a lot when you're a startup, obviously, but the first is we have a consumer facing stem cell banking division, just like umbilical cord blood banking, but now for pets. So the consumer pays for that off our website or the vet recommends it. Second business line is we're actually developing therapeutics. So I have what's called a GMP compliant lab in San Diego. It's got special you know, air handling and concentration and all sorts of FDA rules and SOPs and all that stuff. And in there, we're actually developing therapies that go through clinical trials. We have a partnership with a major pharma company. They're paying for a clinical trial that we have for feline, for cat chronic kidney disease. And if that's successful the way we expect... That's just an off-the-shelf drug like anything else that you buy from the vet. So we're developing both the consumer banking and then this off-the-shelf treatment business. And what are the approximate costs for those? For the consumer, for the banking, it costs $95 a year. Wow. And then there's an upfront processing cost of about $300. And we discount that here and there with vets and everything. So we tried to make it accessible. I mean, we lose money upfront as we're processing. And then eventually, we make it back on the storage over the life of the pet. And we're not charging a lot for the therapies. We're not trying to make money on the therapies. To me, it's like, this is brand new for most people. A lot of vets don't even know about stem cell therapy. So if I can show that it works, that's going to drive the whole business. And so we're trying to just make it accessible. It's all about making it accessible.
1: How long have you guys been around? How many customers do you have today?
0: We launched in October of last year. So it's been a few months. We were on Shark Tank in November of last year, which is a lot of fun. And we got a bunch of customers from that. And then wow. things have kind I remember of. I you now. <laughs> yeah, just seeing yeah. you see me on Shark Tank. Yep. It was fun. It was actually a great experience. So we've got some customers from that. And I yeah, think it's super, like, really slowed down with the pandemic. And it feels like maybe just now they're starting to pick up a little bit. But it's all pretty new.
1: What numbers are you open to sharing around the business? Could be employees, growth rates. I know you just started, so it's hard to share.
0: Yeah, we just started. I mean, there's not like the numbers, frankly, aren't just that interesting yet. We've got. Now dozens of partner vets, we do have hundreds of customers, and we have now three, actually our fourth patent, we have four patents that really like help us with the specific type of stem cell. And, you know, this is going to be a long one. we raised almost $15 million because I feel like this is a tough one. You got to change awareness levels, you have to change consumer behavior, you have to change vet behavior. So we got to be around to be able to figure this out
1: for customer acquisition right now, are you partnering with vets? That's one channel. And then I guess for consumers, what are you doing on that side?
0: Yeah. So we're doing both. We do through the vets. And so the idea is, Hey, you're already getting the spay neuter. And the vet says, Hey, we have this once in a lifetime chance to get stem cells at this moment. So don't throw it away. And the vet recommends it. the beauty of that model is vets are doing a million spays and neuters a month. So all we have to do is get some attachment right there. And for that, we have both like digital marketing to the vets, as well as what we call our veterinary community manager team, who in a normal world is going to visit the vet and they're like hanging out in the front office and then talking to customers and they're talking to the front office staff. That's a powerful channel, but it requires high level awareness and this long wooing process and a lot of time to onboard the vets and train them and do all that. And then we do direct to consumer. It's challenging. My last business, Dog Vacay, was a Think of it like an Airbnb for dog sitting, and we would spend a lot of money trying to market directly to customers, but the biggest challenge there was we had to find them when they were traveling. It's a travel business, dog boarding. If I was telling you about it and you weren't traveling, in one ear, out the other. This one's even harder because I've got to find you, really after you get a dog, right around when you get a dog, before the dog has been spayed or neutered, And I'm selling you something that you don't know exists, that you don't care about, that you don't know about. And like in a lot of chances, your vet might not even know about it. So we were leaving with a lot of content. Our blog is now generating several hundred thousand visitors a month, which has been awesome. A lot of content and continuing education. We're doing some interesting things where we're actually giving away the service. In some senses, we were realizing that it was cheaper for us to give away a spay neuter to a customer than to market directly to them. And the advantage is we have this really cool feedback loop where if we sign up a customer, that customer is going into the vet and they're saying, hey, can you do this for me? So all of a sudden now we're giving away a procedure free to a customer. And in fact, we're even like paying for the spay neuter and I'll like personally drive them in my Uber, you know, to the vet, whatever it is, we try to make this great experience. But now the veterinarian is doing the whole procedure in service of a mutual customer and they are like automatically getting onboarded. So we figured out some sideways hacks to it that we're trying to blow out, but man, it's not easy.
1: Tons of education for sure. But you know what I love about what you're doing? It's product-led growth using testicles, but it works because yes, it's a big education process, but it seems like a no-brainer. Something like this, everyone would just start talking about. It's like, yeah, you got to get this. You got to get this. Yeah. I'm excited about the journey for you there. I guess for you, thinking about dog vacay. So You started that business, what, in 2011?
0: Dog Vacay started in 2011. It was similarly driven by like an experience with a dog. My wife and I left our two dogs in a kennel for a 10-day trip. We came back to what was a $1,400 bill, and my dog Rocky was hiding under my desk for three days. We started by just a Yelp listing. This is like right when Yelp was starting. Like they started in 09, I think. So it was just growing. We put on a Yelp listing for dog boarding out of our house, and shit blew up. And it was like all of a sudden, we're dog sitting out of our house. We made like 40 grand that year. And I just started taking essentially the collaborative consumption or marketplace concept and applying dog sitting to it. And we grew that to over a hundred million in revenue, merged it with Rover in 2017. And that business, again, notwithstanding the pandemic, is doing extremely well.
1: I know SoftBank put money into WAG, right? It was really just WAG versus Rover, I guess.
0: Yeah. And WAG's uh, really struggling actually. SoftBank sold back to management. Like they did some buyout and soft banks out of that now. Yeah. A tough one.
1: You got out obviously cause you guys merged and then you're like, okay, I'm going to yeah. do gallon. Got it.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I started and they've been running that thing. You did that
1: for six years or so. What do you think are some practical lessons you got from that, that you're carrying over to what you're doing right now?
0: The most practical lesson of all is I think just anything that any CEO learns is you can't do too many things. You've got to do way less. And so constantly, 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 like, and my team's used to it now, but every couple of weeks we're like, should we really be doing that thing? Can we do without doing that? And so we're always trying to cut things that we're doing to make room for the two or three things that are really impactful and that really drive our metrics. The other thing I've done a lot is, you know, with Don Vacay, I didn't really know why we were growing in the beginning. We had some product market fit and PR and this and that. And it wasn't until much later that growth actually slowed and we had to re-engineer a lot of things and look at our KPIs that we started to figure out why. And one of the main reasons that we were growing was just all around content. I mean, it was just all around SEO. And to this day, I mean, Rover, Dog Vacay, you're getting two thirds of the customers from Google and some version of it. And so now we spend a lot of time on the content, knowing that it doesn't feel like You get a lot out of it out of the gate, but it it endures and it builds and it adds up. And all of a sudden, we're sitting on hundreds of thousands of visitors. Hey, most of whom don't care about stem cells, but the one half of 1% that do, we can now start taking over. And so, a lot of content, PR, investing in all those things, Shark Tank for the same reason. It's like we didn't need the money for Shark Tank. We just know that it's this new concept. And so, anything I can do to get it out there is another big lesson. And I think those are the two the two biggest things.
1: Roughly how many new customers did you get from being on Shark Tank? I'm just wondering what the Shark Tank PR effect looks like.
0: No, not many, not many. It was not like in the thousands, the way some people think. But remember, this is not a DR product. I'm not selling ice cream for cats. This is something that you can only buy before your dog or cat is getting spayed or neutered. And it's a high price, high consideration. But in terms of awareness, like we onboarded a lot of vets after that, we've had tons of inquiries, just as nurturing this awareness to turn it into sales over time. By the way, other companies I've heard you get anywhere from like a few hundred thousand in sales to like less. I don't think it's typically like a huge slice there.
1: Before we started, you talked about living forever and I'm assuming that's probably <laughs> your life mission to do that for yourself and help others do it. So how are you planning to do that? What are you doing right now for that?
0: What people don't realize, and actually a lot of people, I say it and people don't believe me and like my chief science officer is going to yell at me because I talk about this stuff. But aging is not certain. We don't need to actually age. When we take a look at what happens as part of the aging process, it is a combination of several biological factors. And I can go into it, but for example, you've got free radicals going around your system and your mitochondria aren't working as well and your lysosomes get gummed up with stuff. The point is, all of those things that are underlying aging, if we view that as the disease itself, we now are beginning to intervene in that. And so essentially helping your body continue to repair itself at the rate that it does when you're 15 years old, that's the goal here. And you can live forever. And part of that will be saving and culture expanding your young stem cells. So save your young stem cells as as an animal, like what I really want to do is I wanna take my dogs and cats and give them a once or twice a year infusion of their own young stem cells. And the idea would be that that would help them not only avoid disease, but actually live healthier longer. And stem cells combined with a couple other versions of this therapy, I believe will have people living, I think the first person to live to 200 has already been born. And I think that for us to be living in the hundreds of years is not going to be out of the question very soon.
1: That's insanity. So Gallant, one part of it, I'm assuming you're going to be doing something else after this to continue to to advance this mission.
0: Uh, Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think if we could show it in our animals first, that's when people start to pay attention. You know, like, oh my God, my dog who should live to 12 is living to like 19. You're going to start wanting that for yourself. Right. And uh, I'd like to be able to demonstrate it in this way where you've got less regulation and a shorter lifespan to actually show these things.
1: One key point here is I think, A, it takes time to develop what your life mission might be, right? That's one thing. The other thing is it takes steps to get there. So it's not like you're trying to do it immediately. It's like, hey, I'm going to do this first and then I might do something afterwards. But it's one step at a time. Whereas people are like, oh, my God, I need to have this big mission coming out the gate, coming out of college. You don't necessarily need to do that.
0: Well, you can always have a big mission, but you've got to choose exactly what it is that you're going to focus on. there will be like 100th of your big mission because you can't do big things. You got to do little things.
1: If you had $10 million right now to invest it all into one startup, can't be your company, where would you put all the money and why?
0: $10 million to put into one startup? Yeah,
1: you have to do it in 24
0: hours. Like it has to be a startup. I'm not investing in Apple. Or you can pick a like big company. Right you can now. pick like an Amazon if you want. Man, I certainly wouldn't put $10 million into one startup. I love the pet space. I think the pet space is just fantastic dynamics. I think pet health is an amazing market. Even some of the stuff like, Chewy as a public company is still feels like there's tons of upside. Something in this like pet health market, I gotta get back to you on a specific company.
1: Other question, this is out of curiosity. So dog vacay was in Santa Monica, correct? Correct. And then you moved to Miami. Why the move and how do you like it there?
0: My wife made me move, Uh, her family's here. And so just being your family, I did not do it for taxes, but taxes were a nice, like, you know, 13% benefit. And it's okay. Miami is a beautiful place. There is more startup stuff happening here. Like there is everywhere. You're getting a lot of people moving from California and New York to here because of the tax situation now because of the COVID situation. I think it's really promising. I think there's a lot of cool stuff here. It's lacking the talent, but it's fun. And you can be out in the water most days. And it's a fun place to be. Miss LA? I miss okay. LA.
1: Okay. That was just out of curiosity. So what would be your favorite business book?
0: Favorite business book? I'm actually not a huge business book guy. I feel like business books take a really long time to say one or two short things. And so I like novels. I mean, I find that like anything that takes you away from your day to day is actually like more refreshing. And so I'll read a novel. Children of Time was one I just read, sci-fi, out of this world stuff. And that makes me so much more refreshed than reading about remote work.
1: I have to read fiction now. I was thinking about this the other day. I have a bunch of fiction books that I bought. I'm just like, every day now, when the, the day ends, it feels like a Friday, meaning I I feel exhausted now. I used to be yeah. able to just work the whole time. I can't do it anymore. I don't know about you.
0: And it's so. more tiring. It's very different. And I've got three little kids running around the house too. So like, there's just all these levels of exhaustion that add to it. But I recently discovered Kindle's Audible feature. Like they've integrated it now in a better way where you can seamlessly switch from audio to reading. So around the house, if I'm like just brushing my teeth or doing this and that, I can sneak in like 10 minutes here and that's been nice too. Oh, that's cool.
1: Nice. I'll have to do that. Last question for me, favorite business tool.
0: Now we're not using anything that other people don't use. We're super clean here. I mean, just like Slack and the phone. I think there's too many tools. We've got like probably 15 and there's none of them that I'm particularly excited about. And I try not to learn the new tools until my team tells me that like I absolutely have to. So the pain's really there. I love that. Yeah, I just try to be like, okay, guys, you work with the tools and we'll figure out what's important.
1: Well, Aaron, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online?
0: You can find me on gallant.com. Check out the site. And I'm just, my email is just Aaron at gallant.com. Happy to, to field those. Perfect. Thanks so much for doing this.